0: Hey everybody, Jordan here. The pH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D show, we talk about Waterdeep, Dungeon of the Mad Mage, which I keep calling Undermountain. Um, We talk about the new campaign settings that were kind of like leaked on purpose. Um, They're gonna create a new book for campaign settings, so we talk about all the different kind of campaign settings that we're excited for, as well as our personal games and Fantasy Costco.
1: We're live. Hello,
0: ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Uh, That was a delayed live for Jordan there, but welcome to the Saturday morning D and D show. My name is Jordan with the silent Ph in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host Sir Lucian over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another June Saturday morning D and D show. It's gonna be good.
0: And it was fun because last Saturday was the stream of many eyes, and we had like all this information, and we were talking about uh, the the dragon heist, water deep or water deep dragon heist, and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And now um, later in that day, they revealed a bunch of other stuff. So uh, there's more to talk about now. There's um, the mad mage. What is it called? What's the new adventure called? Five to twenty.
1: Yeah, it, uh, of the mad mage. D- um, Dungeon of the was- mad mage dungeon of the mad Mage. i believe
0: yeah, yeah. they'll correct me in chat i'm sure <laughs> sure <of it. laughs> um but that is the mad mage Halaster, and he's got a like super dungeon underneath um uh, called under mountain which is underneath mount waterdeep um underneath waterdeep and this has been done before like there's a 3.5 module called like Return to Undermountain or something and I think there's probably been some earlier stuff so when I heard about that I started researching some of these other ones which was actually good because I'm running my players through a dungeon that I've created and so I pulled some of the fun um, dungeon mechanics from Undermountain and put it in the dungeon that I'm working on for my players which I think is probably what this like you could run this new adventure from 5 to 20 which is cool it goes to level 20 but you could run it. But I think what it, the majority of people are going to do is what I'm going to do, which is you steal little bits of the dungeon here and there for your home games, uh, which I love that Wizards of the Coast is doing that. Um, Tales of the Yawning Portal was like this, where you could you could either run Tales of the Yawning Portal from level one and just kind of do the adventures in sequential order, or you could just pull various mechanics from, from it. And uh, that's what I did a lot uh and had a lot of fun doing that so i like that they make it i want to say modular in a way where it's like you can kind of just compartmentalize and take pieces of dungeons and and put it into your own games so kind of cool
1: yeah and really even isn't the yawning portal in Waterdeep? right Mm -hmm. that's one of the dungeons underneath one of the taverns where they send well no the
0: tavern is the yawning portal And then in the Yawning Portal Tavern, there's a giant pit in the center, a well that goes, that is one of the entrances to Undermountain. um, Halaster the Mad Mage's little, like, area. Uh, Because the guy that founded, sorry, D&D Lore Dump, but the guy that founded (laughs) the Yawning Portal, he went into um, Undermountain, and he was the first person to go in and come back out alive. And he came back out with a whole bunch of money, so he used that money to create a bar over the entrance to Undermountain. I guess way back early on um, in early Waterdeep, they would throw prisoners in there. Like it was just like, oh, like you were sentenced to death or you were, you were you were caught stealing or something. So here, try your luck in Undermountain. And if you can come out alive, then you're pardoned. But if you can't, then you're dead. So goodbye. And yeah, yeah. but he was the first guy. And I don't know if he, I think he was just an adventurer and he went down and came back with a, a buttload of money and started the Yawning Portal. So.
1: Yeah. And and still even that's kind of a small part of or it feels like one part, not a small part, but a one part of a two book release really, which is crazy. Yeah. Like that morning when we got up Saturday morning last Saturday morning and talked about it, they hadn't announced the second book yet. They no, had still yeah. kept that. It was like Saturday afternoon when they threw out, "Hey, we're actually doing two books." And I was like, "Oh, wow. Imagine that." So now I'm going to be spending a hundred dollars right because it's gonna be 49.95 for each one so 100 bucks
0: and so september and then uh under mountain comes out i say under mountain i should say dungeon of the mad mage comes out um november i believe so
1: yeah so that'd be interesting it'd be fun to play the you know even the one to five in an urban setting to look at the rules they're going to use for urban setting Mm -hmm. to look at um how they're going to do that and some things that they can add to the adventures that we haven't had yet. Cause we've gotten exploration rules. We know how to cross the, you know, the sword coast. We know how to travel. We know how to set up encounters, but urban, urban warfare is completely different than, you know, you know, not being able to just kill everything on site is going to be a little different for yeah. some player groups, you know, and I'm not sure everybody's seen that with everybody flooding into the hobby recently in the year in the last year or two, they may not even have seen a large urban setting in mm-hmm. any of their games yet. So it'd be very interesting to see. It really
0: makes me wonder what kind of challenges they're going to have for the levels fifteen to twenty in that dungeon as well. Because um, if you look at Morning Tome of Foes, there's lots of CR high CR monsters that are devils and demons and things like that. Um, oh my gosh! Do you guys want to see something awesome? Mm-hmm.
1: It's a level 12.
0: It's a level 12 kitten. <laughs> You're just running around. Um, the cat likes to play with the cords under my desk, so I have to watch that. But that's my new kitten. His name's Felix, <laughs> and he's running around having a good time. Um, <laughs> but I wonder if there's going to be new monsters in uh, Mad Undermountain, the Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Um, and they do. They they sometimes, like, uh, Storm King's Thunder had new monsters in it that were, like, you know, just for that adventure and stuff like that. So it makes me think that they'll probably have that, but what is it? Like, we have never seen uh, Wizards of the Coast fourth 5th edition, I guess, for them making... Um, content for that high of level so like what puzzles what traps what things like that are gonna are gonna actually challenge level 20 players
1: yeah yeah because Storm King's Thunder on the box it says you're gonna get to about 12 plus level wise you might get a yeah. tiny bit higher but not much higher I don't know what it said for Tomb of Annihilation if you run it from start to finish I think it's the same thing 11 to
0: 12 like is yeah when you finish. so yeah
1: we haven't seen something jump us from like 12 to 8 more levels to 20 style so that'll be very interesting to see how that works out and then you're right um i know notice in chat they were talking about not only did they confirm the next two books Mm -hmm. but they've confirmed there's still more setting stuff that they're going to be announcing this year yeah i don't think that means the books come out this year no but i do think it means they're going to announce they had more announcements they said we're not done with telling you what's happening in 2018 we're going to be telling you some more stuff and so Mm -hmm. everybody started speculating about Are they finally gonna say Spelljammer? Are they finally gonna do Dark Sun? Are they finally gonna do Planescape? Are they gonna do Greyhawk? Are they gonna do Dragonlance? You know, what is it gonna be?
0: So I was rereading the Sword Coast Adventure Guide um, Mm -hmm. and uh, there's a lot in there that's like, how to make your dwarves in Um, I think it's in the Sword Coast Adventures guide, but like how can you make these dwarves fit in Greyhawk or how can you make these dwarves fit in Eberron? So they've kind of been seeding these things in general throughout their books. Like how do you do this in Dragonlance? How do you do that? So it wouldn't surprise me if um, everyone's like freaking out about campaign settings, which is awesome. I'm freaking out about campaign settings, but I don't Mm -hmm. think we're going to get an Eberron book. I don't think we're going to get a Greyhawk book. I think what we're going to get is one book, that has like four or five settings in there. Mm. Um, and it's gonna be know. like, here's how to play in Greyhawk, here's how all of these things work in Eberron, here's how all of these things work in other stuff. And if that book does is popular, then I think we'll get some of the more popular settings like here's an expanded book on Dark Sun. Because um, I know Dark Sun is very popular and I don't know if they'll put Dark Sun in this like multi-campaign setting book but mm-hmm. um, yeah, and then maybe they'll use Spelljammer to kind of link it all together is kind of what I'm thinking. So I was wondering yeah.
1: that too. I was wondering, I feel like we're about to find out the way the worlds are connected from the view of fifth edition. Yeah. Whether it's portal doors or it's alternate realities or it's like Earth 52 and Earth 57 and right. you know whatever they come up with their their logic and science or magic behind it i think we're going to find out what the fifth edition version of that is but i also wouldn't be i've been seeing a lot of pushback on the forums on twitter and a lot of the other areas that start talking about hey maybe stop repackaging the old stuff and maybe come up with something brand new because new campaign designers setting, you always, mean? Yeah, like a brand new campaign. Because these designers have always been doing iterations of stuff that has already come. Yeah. Even in Mordekainen's book, Volo's guide, all that stuff, 85% of it has come before.
0: Yeah, right? the monsters 85. are just older monsters that they've put into the... Yeah. yeah,
1: and they might add a few things here or there, but it's not been a lot of innovative creativity coming out of them, it's been iterative at this point, Mm -hmm. but it's good, and I'm not saying it in a a way that I still play two campaigns every single week, I'm still, and I'm playing in a third one, so, like, I love D&D 5e, but I wonder if they're about ready to challenge themselves to say, we've got these fantastic writers on staff now, we've got fantastic artists that are probably as good or better than anything they've had in the past 30 years, what if we came out with something not done before. And I just think if they did that, they would blow the roof off their sales figures for something brand new. Just something that yeah. hasn't
0: been The thing is, is that's risky.
1: It is. <laughs> and I don't think Wizards of the Coast
0: likes risky. I think they exactly. like what's safe and secure and, and what works. Um, and ever since, uh, well, really, like, they took a risk with 4th edition and it didn't pan out as well as they wanted to. Um, but even within fourth edition, like TSR was the one that was kind of—I mean, they made Dark Sun, I believe, right? Or is that a third edition thing? Somebody in chat can correct me. But um, Greyhawk and Forgotten Realms, and T- like TSR was kind of—they were the ones forefronting all these campaign settings. By the time uh, Hasbro got a hold of it and Wizards of the Coast, I think they were just like, well, here's all this property that we have. We'll just update it for 3rd edition. And then they kind of mm-hmm. did the same thing. Well, we'll reinvent the game for 4th edition, and that was risky. Um, and now they've kind of gone back to what's safe. And 5th edition is popular, and I love 5th edition, but it is going back to what's safe as opposed to trying to, I don't know, like be innovative or something. Yeah, but who hearing, knows? Uh, like they're they're sing.
1: doing... Oh, go ahead. Dark Sun, chat saying Dark Sun 2nd Edition. Okay, yeah. So that Which, was... And Everon was a new campaign for 4th, f- right? No.
0: That third? was a 3rd Edition.
1: So it was thing. a new campaign for 3rd. I believe so. Oh, boy. We're going to have to get our... our yeah, GM so
0: power. we're not the experts in this, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be all the YouTube comments. Check the YouTube <laughs> comments below for Tucker, uh, Yeah, Tucker uh, Arthur saying that
1: one was 3rd. So, so it's not unheard of that they've created a new campaign for a version. So I wonder did forth have any brand new campaigns or was it all iterative? It must I don't have been think all. So. It yeah, was cause...
0: it was mostly Forgotten Realms because they they decided to change the realms by having the spell plague and a bunch of stuff. So like it was it was a new Forgotten Realms. Like it wasn't the same old Forgotten Realms. They changed the whole map. Um, yeah. so that was kind of like that was the defining thing for fourth edition. And then they did create dark sun for fourth edition. And I'm not sure if they created Eberron for fourth edition, but I know that there was a dark sun expansion. So who knows? Like, I would love to see them create a new campaign setting. I think that would be really fun. Like get some new lore and figure it out and see how that lore interfix or mixes in with the D and D universe. Um, Because you could really just make anything you want, but I think it's too risky. And uh, I don't know. Like, they're outsourcing their writers to. Like, they outsourced a lot of freelance writers to work on the Undermountain book, um, Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Sorry, I'm going to keep calling it Undermountain because that's what it is to me. <laughs> but that would have to be like an in house writing. And I think they're all busy with other stuff. But I
1: don't know. We'll see. But what is that other stuff? Right? But what is what, that other stuff? Maybe yeah, they're like, busy because they're having to create something.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm really curious about it. And that kind of this whole campaign setting thing also segues to the black obelisks yes. conspiracy theory that's going on. So apparently in all of the released um Wizards of the Coast adventures there has been uh somebody went through and found out that there's a black obelisk somewhere and it's just kind of casually mentioned or it's at the beginning of a dungeon or something like that. Um but the fact that they're in all of these different adventures means they're scattered across Faerûn and what does that mean? Um, and I don't know if you guys watch the YouTube channel Puffin Forest. You should if you don't. He recaps mm-hmm. D&D um, stories, and he animates them, and they're really funny. But uh, he had a adventure league where he animated his adventure league story where his players broke one of these obelisks, and it says in uh, Tomb of Annihilation that a demon pops out, or a devil. I think it was a demon. And the demon attacks them for, like, 1d6 rounds. And so these obelisks are getting tied to the fiendish plains in some way uh, i think we it's safe to assume you know um and we just got you know mordekainen's tome of foes that has all these new devils and demons so maybe the blood war is next maybe that's the next thing i mean we haven't even gotten water deep yet and we're already speculating about what the next adventure is but uh, it's fun to speculate. So. <laughs> yes,
1: yes, because we're nerds. And that's it's funny because the Black Oblast talk came up again during a lot during the Stream of Many Eyes. I kept seeing tweets about it, kept seeing offhand comments about it, and people being kind of coy about the whole thing, and Chris Perkins being kind of cryptic. So it definitely popped up back into everybody's forefront to say, hey, what is this, or what conspiracy is yeah. this, or what's going on, or what is it? So I think that's why we started hearing about it again uh, recently this week, so.
0: So but are you going to is, run yeah.
1: uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist? I am, I think I want to. I think I want to, I I gotta finish Storm King's Thunder. I skipped over Yawning Portal. How soon Portal, are you gonna finish Storm King's Thunder? <laughs> assuming, assuming. Before September? <laughs> over, yeah, Tomb of Annihilation. And then I'm thinking the next campaign I wanna start up is the, cause it just sounds really cool and really yeah. fun.
0: Yeah, it does sound really fun. Uh, I don't know. But I'm, I'm excited. excited. I don't, I don't know if I want to run it or not. Um, I think I'm gonna have to read it and see if it's something that I'm interested in. Um, but I like, I like the idea of a self-contained city adventure. Like, I think that's just really fun. And you don't see that a lot. Usually it's like the city's there to give you the quest to then mm-hmm. like tomb of annihilation is a perfect example. You go to point port nine to basically get a quest and then leave. Um, and there's yeah. a little thing, little things you do at level one in port, you know, in the, in the city. But for the most part, it's, it's here's your quest. Goodbye. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is definitely like a big resupply hub that yeah. you venture out into basically a, a jungle adventure from there on with mm-hmm. temples and, and random encounters and just all kinds of stuff going on. So it's yeah. pretty cool that way. Whereas Storm King Sunder was very different too, because like the starting of that is if you're fifth level it's just starting out with the giants rampaging and you trying to figure out what's going on. Um, if you start at first level, they start you at a town that just eases you into it and doesn't really have a lot to do with the giants at all until they get you to fifth level to really start saying, Oh wait, there's something going on here. Um, and, but it's all over sword coast. Like you travel all over the place. Like, and what was yeah. nice about that is you got to, I feel like I know a lot about the sword coast now. Right? Yeah, I feel like sure. I, I understand that area of the map very well. I'm ready to start understanding the other areas of, of Faerun because there's a lot of cool stuff that's out there. Yeah. And I'm saying that even though new campaigns are coming out and we're talking about possible new campaigns or homebrewing stuff or my own campaign, I'm still interested in there in that campaign. Cause it's so fleshed out and it's so big yeah. and, it's fun to, to, to figure those things out. So we're in this perfect time because even just the mention of the new book has us excited. Like my excitement level, my energy level for running more games is as high as it has been this mm-hmm. whole time. And it's just like, and it's only just a hint of another book or a hint of another campaign. You know, maybe we'll get birthright or maybe we'll get something just, you know, just out there. Yeah. I, I keep thinking they're part of Wizards of the Coast How have they not done a full-fledged, and I don't just mean like a dab of Magic the Gathering, the universe in Dungeons & Dragons. I mean like a full-blown rendition of you're in this phenomenal card game that is the top of the card game for the most part. Which has its own lore and mythology. Yeah. yeah. How is that not? And we have the premier role-playing game, Right, it's it's at the forefront. Yes, there's there's competitors and there everybody can argue about which game's better or not. But as far as what's at the top of the heap at the moment, Dungeons and Dragons fifth editions outselling everybody. You go to the Amazon, you know, best selling list. It's there. You're not seeing Pathfinder two up there. You're not seeing Numenera. And I love those games. Yeah, I, I wish they were up there. I love them, but they're on the top. You look at the card game, Magic: The Gathering, on top. Maybe, maybe Pokemon. Might top them, I don't know. Maybe chat would would know, maybe. Um, maybe. You know, I think
0: in Pokemon's heyday, it did. It did top Magic the Gathering. But like right now? But right now, now I'm not sure, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So they've got these two juggernauts, fantasy, magic, monsters, fantastic artwork. The only thing they've done is like a two or three page, as far as I've seen, a two or three page thing that says, hey, if you want to add some stuff from Magic the Gathering in your Dungeons and Dragons, here's how you could do it. But what about a real book or a real campaign setting that has that in it?
0: That would be that cool.
1: Would be I, I mean, a Magic: The Gathering campaign setting would be
0: really interesting. Mostly because art. I don't play a lot of Magic, but I like yeah. I like the I like lore and history. So it would if there was a way like here's the planescape or plane walkers, and here's how they interact with each other, and here's you know this area of fire and this area of undeath. That would be yeah, yeah I would be interested in something like that. So like a nice coffee table book that's got really great art in it. And
1: <laughs> if they don't, if, I'm gonna wait. If they don't announce it as their next campaign, that's it. We're, we're gonna do it. We're gonna oh, we're gonna ogl it. We're gonna d twenty system it. We're gonna kickstart it, Jordan. We're just gonna do the campaign. Okay, we'll, we'll get sued. It'll yeah, be fine. I was about to say that
0: it's just gonna turn around and it, we won't get yeah. any profit from all, it at all. All the art will be Jordan's,
1: uh, yeah, uh, stick figures <laughs> that he can draw. So yeah, yeah, it'll be great. So, but I think there's a big there's there's definitely some lore and some art and some world that they could mine from that too so yeah we're in a great time we're in the best time ever even if you hate dungeons and dragons fifth edition maybe you play it and you hate it there are so many good games out there that you can go to that are fantastic like numenera pathfinder um, all these new kickstarter ones i've kickstarted i think i've been in three kickstarters now in the last week that i'm just like part-time gods just hooked me in um Overlight hooked me in all these cool RPGs that are coming out that I'm just like, I'm dying to play now and it's going to be good. Sweet.
0: Well, Mr. Lucian. Uh, yes.
1: Let's look at our notes, right? Well, I
0: was looking at chat, but I was going to ask you, what did you
1: do in games this week? Well, it actually turned out pretty well. Um, I felt like, uh, and I did see a comment in there. Somebody said, hey, you cleaned up all the water from your basement flooding. That is true. <laughs> There does not seem to be any water here, so optimistically, we have fixed the problem. We shall see. But um, it felt like at the beginning, like after our show on Saturday, I was kind of a little bummed because I felt like "Ah, there's not really going to be too many games this week because my Monday game's on break. Tuesday, um, Anarsis was doing stuff for the election from where he lives, so he couldn't run the game that day. Um, My Thursday, I have one player who has to go to a meeting on one Thursday every month, so we always miss one of those. But what I did is I shifted my schedule around so I could finally get – I was like, I got to do something because I'm, I'm excited to play. I'm, like, into this. Um, and I was so energized after watching all the stream of um, Many Eyes and mm-hmm. all the stuff that was going on that I was like, I got to play. I got to play. So I moved my Borderlands game, my West Marches game, to Monday so that the person that couldn't make it on Thursday – was able to play, and we had a great adventure. So um, that one, which most of you've been hearing me show in, show out, I've been talking about this pre-West Marches game. It's my test bed before I launch a full-on West Marches game. And when I do the full-on West Marches game, because I got asked about it in um, an interview I'm going to speak about here in just a second, was that eventually my idea is when I run the full West Marches, I want to open it up to um the discord channels i want to open it up to our subscribers our users i want to open it up to the roll 20 community i'm going to open up to all these different communities and say here's the slots that i will run a game if you can combine a party mm-hmm. and you want to you want to run through the west marches you want to leave the town go out have some adventure and come back First come, first serve, and I'm going to run it. So I want to be able to run a bunch of these slots where I have multiple groups, lots of different people running through my real West Marches world, like the way it's supposed to be done. So my pre-West Marches is, is wrapping the, the storyline up that I have for this, and it's setting the scene for the town that's going to be built there. Right now, it's just a camp. They've landed. They come across a great ocean. They set up a small camp. They're building some buildings. They're putting up a palisade wall. But really, it's more of like a workman's camp than anything at this point. So the story that we're running right now as I test my rule system out is the camp turning from camp to an actual town kind of thing. And then when the game goes live, it'll be 50 years later after this or maybe 100 years later and the town's an actual town. And they'll hear the legends of the first adventurers that were here, which is the players that are playing right now. (laughs) We're even thinking that some of them might still be there. They might be the blacksmith or they might right. be the apothecary or something. The mayor. So, yeah, yeah. So we're going to work that in and it's going to be really fun. So um, that went well. They rescued. I gave them the the old GM trope conundrum. They found a group of Darkling children being held captive by the spider faction at the bottom of this um Cavern system in, in, and so they had to have the old talk about. Well, wait a minute, adult darklings are evil. Spiders are evil. Do we really care about children darklings? They're just going to grow up to be evil. Mm-hmm. And then they've got you know, so they've got people like, no, we, you know, nobody just grows up and, and has to be evil. And so they went through that whole conundrum, which I know a lot of a lot of GMs will put into their. Um, into their games just to let their players feel around with some of these weird issues about is things really evil or, you know, you could do goblin children or you could do cold
0: children.
1: Um, So they decided to rescue them, take them back to camp, and they're going to try to get this faction to fight for them. And that's kind of what happened is uh, the darklings now are attacking the spiders that because their children are no longer held captive, they can fight back before they couldn't fight back. They had to be the slaves of the spiders because the children were, were kidnapped and taken and held captive. So they would never fight. So now there's a big war between those two things going on, which is cool. The other thing that happened was it's the culmination of two sessions, three sessions where I wanted to bombard them with encounters before they got a rest. Right. And I know we talked about this and I just wanted to experiment with that. I felt like it went really well. I felt like the characters They were really worried all the time. They thought they were going to die. They had a lot of those conversations about, should we leave? Should we stay? What are we doing here? I've got no spell slots left. This is crazy. Anything can happen. So that I think went really well. I think now I have a good understanding of the argument from both sides of how to do it or how you not do it. And I think it's just one of those things that always comes down to moderation and having a good mix of both. You want Mm -hmm. to have fights where they are tough but they get a long rest and they're ready for the next fight and you want to have some part of your campaign where it's like this fight after fight after fight and they're just barely getting away or barely getting through that fight and all of a sudden the next fight hits them and they've got to get through that one and all of a sudden the next fight hits them they got to get through that one Um, and just keep them on their toes so that you're doing not just one style or the other you don't want too much of one or the other you want just enough of each and I think that's Advice always comes down to that, right? It's never, you just want as much combat in your game as you can get, and that'll make the best D&D game. You mm-hmm. want as much RP in the game as you want, and that'll make the best D&D game. It's not, it's never those two things, right? It's always a mix of having a good a good mix of both. So yeah. I think that's the same. Um, so that was pretty good. They got the fourth level. This is also the campaign where I'm only doing XP awards. There is no milestone XP in this right. game. So Do you give this experience points for
0: finishing quests or just monster experience?
1: Monster experience, yeah. right from the book. Yeah, right from the book. You you killed it, you got it. If they defeated the encounter, I give them the full encounter amount. Mm-hmm. So, like, they fought uh, they fought five spiders and one got away. They still got the XP for the five. Oh, okay. I didn't worry about that part. I was like, if they, if they defeated the encounter, they got it. I didn't make it so they had to actually, you know spill the blood of everything to get to it, right, but, right. but nothing else, no other extra XP for anything else. And it does feel like it's slower. Um, it feels like my players in this campaign are leveling slower than I'm doing milestone in storm King's thunder. And they were leveling quicker in that. So yeah. that's just been my, my observation. I'll throw that out there. Um, one of the things that came up and I thought one thing we could have as a discussion before I get onto the other stuff is, At the end of it, I I gave out XP and all the other players, four of my players, did a good job of tracking what XP they had. But I had a player, a fifth player, who apparently has not really been very good at keeping their sheet updated. So when they took on the number I gave them, they looked at theirs and went, wait a minute, I'm not going to make fourth level. So all of a sudden, you've got four players that are just making fourth level and talking about the stuff they're going to do. And you have the one player who's not been keeping good track. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like, wait a minute, I'm not fourth level. Where am I missing XP? And it turns into this. Well, why am I missing XP? Where did it come from? And and like, if they miss a session, they might miss some XP. Yeah, yeah. Did miss a session, but I didn't feel like it was enough that he sh- he wouldn't have made it. But it, the conversation I wanted to have is <laughs> whose responsibility. Is it to keep track of session XP? <clears throat> Should it be my responsibility to keep a big general ledger of every time I've doled out XP on the specific date and to the specific character so that if any of them need me to go and look it back up a year later, we can go back through and re-add it up or re-look it up? Or the way I'm leaning, is it their responsibility to listen to me when I say, here's your XP at the end of a session? You better keep track of it because we're not. I'm not going to write it down, and we're not going to be able to go back. There is no going back. Yeah. And adding it up. Well,
0: what are you thinking? The only thing I think of is if you have, um, if you have notes, like you prepped this, so you have like, hey, um, and I keep my older notes, so I know like we did uh, this fight here, we did this fight here, or I prepped this fight here, and I can go back and look at those notes. Um, you could like throw them a bone but mm-hmm. but there's so much that the Dungeon Master already does that why can't player Like, there's already... There's initiative systems and um, con- monster hit point systems that rely on the players to actually do this because the DM is overworked, you know? Like, letting the players... Yeah. Uh, every time you do damage, write down how much damage you're doing, we'll pull it together, and then I'll tell you if that's enough damage to kill the monster. But you have to, like, add this up and keep track of this because it's just the DM has a lot of stuff going on and asking him to like track experience points. That's just another where it's like, that's, that's a lot, you know? So or maybe this person doesn't level up. Maybe that's the hard lesson they learn to write down their experience points. Yeah. On the other side, then there's forgetful Jordan who <laughs> left his mini at adventure league a couple times and it miraculously found its way back to him. But, uh, forgetful Jordan would also be like, well, how much experience did I get for that session? You know, like I forget. So, but I would not expect my dungeon master to know that in any way, you know, like at the end of it, at the end of adventure league, when they hand out experience, he adds up the monsters we fight. He gives it to us. We write it down. And if you don't write it down and keep track of it, like that's your responsibility as a player. Like there's adventure league sheets that you fill out for every session. I earned this experience or, and I earned this gold, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's where I'm leaning that what I, this is what I feel like I want them to do is I want them to keep their party sheet because a lot of people will have Mm -hmm. a party sheet that they're doing. I think I need to retell my players that you need to keep this up so that if somebody has a discrepancy on who got the 50 gold that, that somebody remembers seeing in a room, because I don't necessarily remember who picked it up or who did what, or who got what cut of what, you know, all that kind of stuff that's going on because it could happen just as easy with money as it could with XP. Yeah, and
0: I've seen it happen um, with money. So,
1: yeah. So I think I need to just remind them that I really want them because my notes have some of that stuff, but what it doesn't have is exactly which session they killed what, like, cause I have 10 rooms of stuff they went through and now I started tracking. Well, in session one, they went through room one, but they didn't get through uh, two through 10, but then in session two, They went through two and three, but they didn't get through the rest. But then they jumped all the way over to 10 because they went a different route. And now it's all like, so I'm trying to find a way to keep better notes of that. I'm using OneNote right now to do some of that stuff, Mm -hmm. but it's a lot of note taking. If you're gonna remind yourself exactly what rooms they went in, exactly which things they killed or what escaped, um, what things they didn't encounter, because those are in your notes and maybe they didn't even go to a room. But when you go back to your notes, you have the list of monsters that were in the dungeon. It was like, oh, did they fight the Rust monster? Did they not fight the Rust monster? Yeah. You know, that's so true. There's a lot going on. So I didn't feel too bad. <clears throat> and I think I'm gonna push back on my players a little bit to say, you really if I say because I know as a player, if you tell me how much XP you're giving me, I'm gonna keep track of that because yeah. I'm hyper sensitive about I want to level. Yeah. <laughs> so like I'm I'm definitely writing it down. I'm not gonna forget any of that stuff. So um, so, uh, okay. So that was one of the things that came up in that one. Uh, Tuesday did not go, uh, like I said, uh, tomb of annihilation on a narcissist channel. He was doing something for the elections in, in the area that he's in. I think he lives in California. And, uh, so we didn't play tomb of annihilation, but Wednesday I had an interview with nerdarchy Nate from nerdarchy, um, at noon, which was really cool. So there's about an hour we sat down and we talked about, RPGs and just Dungeons and Dragons and and mostly Dungeons and Dragons a little bit of some other systems there But just kind of chit-chatted about cool running games and what we did on the here It was really nice. They had a great community that asked a lot of good questions So it was pretty fun to be on that um, and, and then I'll try even, to find the
0: link to that and put it in the in the description below for you guys on YouTube yeah, yeah.
1: Nate was even, like, saying, uh, oh, I, I want to play in, uh, like, your Westmarch's game or one of your games we were going to do. Uh, we were looking at another role-playing system that he was interested in. And I was yeah. interested in and I was like, oh, maybe I'll, I'll run a game. He's like, all right, let me know. It <laughs> so was kind of fun, you know, because I'm always running games for people. So that was yeah. fun. Um, then Thursday was my impromptu game. So this was fun. Um, I decided I wanted to do something different. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to do a video that although I do not think will be fun for most people to watch from an entertainment value, I do believe it will be useful for those to encourage somebody to run a game. Even if you've just bought the book, you don't feel like, you know, the rules you haven't really read through it more than maybe just a cursory glance through it. Because I see so many people when I talk to them and I say, Hey, are you going to run a game? Are you going to run, you're going to be a GM or a demon? And like, well, I've got the book I'm reading through the stuff maybe in a couple months after I've figured out all the rules and I've got all my notes down and then I'm going to finally run a game. And I wanted to show that back in the day when we sat down to learn Dungeons and Dragons or we bought the new role-playing game, it was somebody brought the book in that night. Nobody had read it. Mm -hmm. We sat down, we flipped to the page to create a character. We all created characters. Then we flipped to the page to how to run the game and we just started playing like just right there immediately, not wait for you to learn stuff or wait to have all this stuff set up. So what I wanted to do was Warhammer fantasy first edition. I chose it because it's a nostalgia game for me. It's the game that I remember in the mid nineties that I loved. And I remember the story I told on that stream was I liked Dungeons and Dragons, but I was always a player. And there was always a GM that had all the books and I had no books and I was just a kid. Right. So I went to, I went to the bookstore, which is where you went to get it. There wasn't necessarily a game store, near me, so I went to, I think it was like a Walden Books, almost like a Barnes & Noble kind of place. Big stack of Dungeons & Dragons, and I'm looking at all the books, and here as a kid, as a teenager, I'm looking at it, and I'm going, so there's the Dungeon Master's Guide, there's the Player's Handbook, there's all these class books, Fighter, and and all this other stuff, and I'm like, I don't have enough money to buy more than one book, but I want to play this game, I want to get it going. And then I see Warhammer Fantasy roleplay right next to it, and it's one book has everything in it. Players, GMs, character creation, all the classes, pick one book, same price as one of TSR's books. So I grabbed it and I was like, it was more appealing to me at that time just to grab that because it was all in one book mm-hmm. and the artwork was great. And I loved the story and I loved reading it from cover to cover. And I love the game. I bought it maybe three or four times in hardcover and I lose it every time. Like I was looking for it the other day. Couldn't find it. So I chose it as a nostalgia game. I chose it to show people that you can just grab a game that you haven't read up on or anything, sit down with your friends and just start creating characters and get a story set up and play right from the get go. You don't have to wait, treat it almost like it's a board game in some ways. And and I think it worked really well. When I told my players, I gathered some players and I said, Hey, I'm running on Thursday. If anybody can show up do it. I didn't care if it was one person or if it was 20 people showed up. Mm-hmm. I was just going to, whoever showed up, we were going to create characters and, and play as much as we could. And so that's what it was. So I streamed it on Thursday. I put it, I put it on YouTube um, in the next day or so. I want to put up a little um, video in the front kind of explaining what I'm explaining now. Of what yeah, this video yeah. Cause I don't think it's necessarily entertaining to watch as far as all oh, these characters are funny yet because we're just building them, but it is a good incentive to say hey i don't have to wait two months or a year after buying this game to actually start playing right movie. i want to start playing it right away and i want to do more of these where i just grab a book that i haven't even read sit some players down they haven't even seen it and we're just going to go we're just going to figure yeah. it out we're going to play it and you it know, worked out
0: mike from unmade gaming does that a lot he he says you know he's got a huge collection of rpg books behind him whenever you see him on his stream and uh He's like, I've read maybe, like, a fifth of all of these, Um, meaning, like, he's skimmed most of them. Like, he hasn't actually read through hardly any of those books. And even the Numenera game he was running for Savor Dice, he's just like, I flipped through the Numenera book. I'm like, I think I got the gist of how this works. And then he just kind of starts playing. And you could totally do that. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah. That's fun. Don't wait. That's the thing. Like even on the the nerdarchy interview, if there was one running theme through the whole thing, it was, I want to encourage people that are going to be DM or GMs not to wait. Don't yeah. be a player for twenty years before you do it. Don't use the excuse that it takes me six months to get my campaign set up and ready. I've got to read. I've got to memorize all the rules. Don't don't let that stop you from jumping into the GM DM chair and just gathering a group of people that want you to succeed as much as you want to succeed and just start playing these cool games and these fun stories because they were excited i mean i had Cyberwolf 1201 in there i had indoor adventure in there a couple of our our, uh great uh our show regulars show regulars yeah that are awesome Um, (laughs) graybeard's cavern and by the end of it they were a little skeptical because it was a system that Uh, randomizes character generation so they didn't know what class they were gonna play or or it wasn't even a class you get a career type thing but by the end of it they were excited about this character that they had rolled and what it was gonna be like they had an elven soldier that was no longer a soldier they had a a human soldier that was no longer a a soldier he left his unit and then they had a halfling burglar which I thought was pretty funny and old, older, older halfling at that. So it was just a really funny group that's come together and we're going to play a couple of sessions to go through the combat, to go through the skill checks, to go through the, in the book, it has this uh, iconic um, first adventure called the old Hauler contract. And I remember reading this a million times as a kid going through this and always wanting to play it and always wanting to run it. And we're just going to run that one and we're going to run right through. it. It's really fun adventure, really well put together. It feels like if you ever talk to people about what's the best adventure you've ever played that was created by, you know, the Dungeons and Dragons company, TSR or Wizards of the Coast, or what was the the single best adventure you ever had? And I always hear a lot of people talk about the very first part of Temple of Elemental Evil when you go to the village of Hamlet. Lots of people talk Hmm. about how good that first introductory to a small village and the things that are going on there and some quests you can get to start you into this adventure before you get to the temple and all of that, the village of Hama being one of the best well-rounded adventures out there to start a group in. And this one feels like that to me, this Olden Handler contract. I think I always, in my head, I just reread it. I always thought of it as Olden Handler, but when I reread it, it was Olden Hauler. And I don't know why, when as a kid, I always put Handler in there for some reason. Yeah, your brain does weird things. It's really concise, it's really well-rounded, gives you a good mix of everything from RPing to combat to chase sequences and to some cool mechanics that are specific to this thing and a nice little story um, in the in the town of Nome. It, it felt really good, and it feels like it'll be a really good adventure to play. So I think I'm going to have a lot of fun. I'll get these guys together again, and we'll play it again. I see some people talking about Castle Ravenloft was their favorite. Um what was yours Jordan? What was your favorite? It adv- most not maybe not even favorite. What was the most well-rounded adventure you ever played? Had a little bit of everything, the perfect amount of everything that when you look back on it, you think that's the best adventure I played. Jeez. You know,
0: um not a lot of role playing in this adventure but like really really balanced and really um just super fun was white plume mountain like Mm -hmm. i had a lot of fun with white plume mountain uh running through that dungeon and then there's not like a, a twist at the end but there's some role play stuff at the end with the like wizard of the mountain and things like that um and it's that's a fun module so i would rerun that one again it was really cool
1: cool i'll have to look for that one up i'm running through that one yet.
0: everyone says i mean that's in tales of the Unending portal white blue mountain is but you can find older stuff of it but yeah no um i saw Ravenloft by sky blue mist and that's like a really popular one i think with a lot of people and i've read through Ravenloft or uh curse of strahd and i agree like i think that could just it's memorable characters i guess like strahd's mm-hmm. very memorable and things like that and that's kind of what makes a good a good dungeon uh or a good uh adventure so yeah
1: So those are cool. So that was my Thursday evening. Um, You can check it out on the VODs. You can also check it out on YouTube. And again, zero prep, didn't read the rules. We took about two hours creating characters. Even though our character sheet wasn't working, we still worked through it. Um, It was hard to find an old 90s first edition character sheet for Roll20. I I started to look at how to make one, and that is quite the task. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. In fact, what it led me to is I might be trying out a new um, virtual tabletop called GM forge just came out on steam a week or two ago Yeah, released. And the one feature it had was the ability to create custom character sheets that I'm looking into at the moment. And it might be something I try out in a game coming up in the future. I'm, I'm a huge Roll 20 fan. I know lots of people like fantasy ground. I know some people use tabletop simulator. Um, I'm going to check out this GM forge and see what I think about it. Sweet. And that was my week in gaming and Dungeons and Dragons specifically. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, uh, I started my game off with um, uh, Fantasy Costco from yes. Adventure Zone. So my players were like, we want to spend money. How do we spend money? Um, they got the reward from finishing Scarab of Death. Um, and then basically that guy is a collector. He's got a, an emporium of magic items. So he buys and sells them and trades them all the time. So I set it up that my players could sell some magic items that they didn't want anymore and perhaps buy some that they do want. And I utilized the Xanathar's guide to everything like magic item area where it has like during downtime activities and you kind of roll randomly the prices of magic items, whether they're rare, common or uncommon. Um, And then I just asked my players, like, what do you want? And the fighter was like, you know, I don't have dark vision. And I'm finding that holding a torch is really bothersome because I'm a two-weapon fighter. So can I get something that grants me dark vision? So he got some goggles of night. Um, We had a couple other people sell some stuff. And then they did some interesting things where they were like, can we buy a boat? We want to figure out how to, like, get out of this town and possibly boat our way back to where they are because their whole goal is they they want to get home because i feel like i'm a bad dungeon master i didn't really give them a strong goal the one player we have a, a mouse paladin she's a mousekin it's a homebrew in race In fact,
1: you railroaded them into going to the desert right
0: i did i straight up did like <laughs> i was just like i want you to go to the desert so you're going to get in a teleport accident and wind up in the desert because uh, <laughs> i'm a bad dungeon master we've established that but the <laughs> mouse was like you know i think there's a higher power that brought us here um, and she's like, I think we need to figure out what's happening with all of these undead kind of rising up in the Yay. desert. So after we did Fantasy Costco, which was kind of a long session of just like bartering and figuring out prices and, and basically accounting is what we did for quite a while. And, and figuring out like, what where do I want my character to be? Do I don't really use this item anymore. I want to get rid of certain things. Um, it took a lot longer than I thought but then eventually they went to this dig fi- dig site and there's this big underground inverted pyramid in the sand that they are currently excavating. So they went to the dig site. They met with, uh, the, the owners of the dig site, the ones funding it are a group pair of twin sisters named Indy and Gogo, Um, and they are, <laughs> they're, you know, funding this whole dig site. And crowdsourcing so, it. Yeah, yeah. They're outsourcing it. Yeah. They're, it's a crowdsourcing <laughs> kind of thing that they're working on. Um, I thought I was really clever when I came up with that name, but it was when my wife was doing an Indiegogo for her novel that she was writing. And I was just like, that would be hilarious. But a year later, when we actually get to these characters, it was less funny for my table. <laughs> <laughs> um, they uh, then everybody was like, you know, they kind of agreed on prices and negotiated like, hey, if you find any magic items, you can keep. X amount of magic items, but we want the rest. If you find any gold, you get like a ten percent cut, but we want the rest. So there was a back and forth kind of figuring out like if you excavate this dungeon, you don't just get willy nilly because we're we're funding all of this. And they're like, oh okay. And then and then there's our monetary reward when they come out of the dungeon and figure out like what made this magical inverted pyramid tick, so to speak, and why it's inverted in the first place. Like they want to know how why was it built upside down? Um, Then they went to bed, and I decided to try something new where I wanted them to fight, like, four to five hundred one-hit-point zombies. And, And so, instead of going up and just saying, I roll a d20 and I hit for 23 damage, I'm like, you hit, but you only take out one zombie. You still have, like, 499 zombies to take care of. Like, how you know got to focus on a lot of aoe spells and like crowd control kind of things and it allowed some of my players who have those items to shine so i took i have a jar of pennies and we set up like the battle map and then i just said you guys find zombies and i shook out these this jar of pennies on the table and i don't know how many was there it might have been 300 it might have been 450 or something and i kind of scattered them about so that there was a whole bunch and i have a picture of it i should put it on twitter Um, I think I put it on Instagram actually but and then I just said these zombies are moving forward they're like walking towards you what do you do and they were just like what are you what and they were freaking out about it so they got up there but the, the ranger did a bunch of like uh, vines from the ground that caused a bunch of damage and killed a bunch of them. The cleric like rode in on, um, a giant, I have these giant ants that are roaming the desert. So she rode in on the ant and did a really good animal handling check. So she used it as a mount to get to like the center of the zombies and then cast, um, uh, destroy undead, um, channel divinity so that she could just destroy a whole like 30 foot radius of undead. Um and it was really cool, and then it culminated into um, a new monster from Morden Tome of Foes, which I forget the name of, but it's a basically a, a giant skeleton that's got three skeleton heads on its on its two on its shoulders yeah, and one I in the that. center. Yeah. Um, if, I forget what it's called. I have it somewhere, but I'm right, I'm bad at telling keep going. stories. I got it. You'll look it up, you'll tell me. <laughs> but uh, really high CR monster for them to fight. And so they the the monk and the fighter realized that they couldn't really do a lot of like aoe's so they ran in and kind of like took him down um and i'm running into this a lot where and i i've made a mental note of myself that i need to read the monster before the fight and then keep reading it during the fight because <laughs> my monk stunned this monster and it wasn't until it was after his turn that i was rereading it and i'm like oh he's immune to stun Like I just lost a whole turn because I wasn't paying attention. So that is my goal as a dungeon master is to read the monsters (laughs) because I have a habit of like just kind of getting in the flow of combat and I look at their abilities. I'm like, okay, he can swing a club. He can cast a spell. He can do this. Um, But I end up forgetting about things like legendary actions and their immunities and resistances. So I need to, I just need to focus on that.
1: Yeah, especially um, the ones that have spells, and you're trying to remember. It's called the Skull Lord. The
0: Spell Lord. There you go. Yeah.
1: Skull Lord. It's a challenge level fifteen. Woo. Yeah. That Legendary coupled expansion. with, um
0: you know, like forty-five zombies that are around him, it was Ooh, yeah. uh, pretty pretty epic. So.
1: Well, what levels your players now?
0: They're level ten. So I have five level ten players.
1: Ah, they're getting so, there. They're getting yeah, there.
0: it was a hard, if not deadly, encounter for them. But they did really well. And then I had a couple NPCs that were running around trying to help with um, the zombie fight as well, because there's a couple NPCs that live at the dig site as well. So,
1: yeah, I, it's funny that you say that because I think a lot of us fall into that trap. It's the one thing that we're supposed to do as GMs. If nothing else, we're supposed to know how the monsters work, yes. right? It, it, that's like fully on our job, but we do it all the time where we might forget about pack tactics or we might forget about they have a certain resistance. Like I did it with my zombie fight because I was doing one that was similar, but I just kept throwing lots of zombies at them to see how and what they would do. Yeah, I kept forgetting that they had resistances to certain things and and I forgot they also had vulnerabilities to certain things. So, you know, which ones was double damage and which ones was half damage. And some things are, I just forgot all about it. But it still turned out the fight was fun because it was more about them just fighting a mass of them and that yep. was really the point of the whole thing. But I looked back and I thought, oh, these could have been a way more effective had I paid attention. Yeah. To, no, you
0: know, uh, and if you look at uh, my channel, I've got a video where I talk about running the Tomb of Anni- or Tomb of Horrors, and yeah. I totally messed up the final fight for Tomb of Horrors. Like I forgot about legendary resistances, and that fight would have been completely different had I just focused on the monster and figured out what the monster can do. Uh yeah so but ultimately my players had fun and this was the same thing as is you have to remember as a dungeon master like if your players are having fun then you're succeeding and yes the skull lord could have done a lot more damage it could have done um and maybe could have even killed somebody or done some extra stuff like he lost a turn before i realized that he had that re- that le- that resistance um or that immunity i should say immune to stun um, but ultimately, like they had a lot of fun and they felt the pressure because there were just wave after wave of zombies. When they finally took out the Skull Lord, all the other zombies kind of dissipated because we were pushing like 1030 at night. And I think everybody wanted to go to bed. So I'm like, yeah, I could have you guys mop this up or I could just say they kind of dissolve yeah, with the Skull bad. Lord. Yeah. But mm-hmm. which is what I did. But yeah. So I don't know. It was, know. It was really fun. Did they get for those? What's that?
1: How much XP did they get?
0: Oh, no XP. I do Milestone. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was going to talk about Adventure League. Um, we're yeah. handing out experience points in Adventure League. And uh, I forget who. Somebody had a really good um, comment in chat where they were saying that uh, handing out experience points makes my players do, um, become murder hobos. Yeah. And I ran into that for like the first time because we were doing Adventure League. And where I, my regular group wasn't there. So I was at a new table playing tomb of annihilation and they were like, well, we want to level up. So we're going to go back to the arena and fight monsters. Like we've already done that once, but doing that once is kind of part of the story so the dungeon master, they go back to the arena because they just want to fight monsters. And I'm like, well, we should like drop off this this amulet that we got and kind of like finish the quest and and go go along with the story. And collectively, everyone at the table was just like, no, we want experience points. We're gonna go fight monsters. And I'm like, all right, like if that's what you guys want to do, like I'm outvoted. We they get to the arena and the arena has a sign that says closed today because of whatever. And so the dungeon master had to put that in because they would they would just. They wouldn't explore. They wouldn't like go out into the world. If you gave them an unending supply of monsters right there in the city, they would just sit there and level up. And I thought that was kind of sad. And I think that makes um, experience points sad because like they got experience points for finishing the quest, but they were unwilling to finish it because they know that monsters give them experience and they didn't know that the quest gave them experience. And I was like, guys, there's a story here. Like, let's go but that's adventure league too. Like you level up with experience points and everybody wants to level up and they were really jealous. Cause I was level three and everyone else was level one or two. And I'm like the bard running in there yeah, doing yeah. 12 to 15 points of damage with my sword. And they're just like, how the hell are you doing that? And I'm like, well, I'm mm-hmm. level three and I've got bardic inspiration dice to burn and things like that. And you're, you know, level two. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah those are the weird quirks of adventure league. Cause those are the stories you hear about too, of the way, that it makes players play slightly differently than you would get at a home yeah. game or a game that you put together with friends and stuff. Because again, you're bringing strangers together. The storyline could be different every single week. Yeah. It could be in a different group every single week because you're doing drop in, drop out. Most of the players get really fixated on creating their characters. You see a lot more min-maxing, I think, in Adventure League than you see possibly elsewhere. Not that everybody does it, but I think, and there's nothing wrong with it. There's yeah. nothing wrong with you know wanting to do that and i'm playing in tomb of annihilation adventures league i've got my barbarian is level four and i'm super hyped to get to level five i want to kill everything in the jungle at yeah. this point like like it's yeah like, in a way you can't blame them charge. so you know we're just it. who cares what it is right we're just we want the xp we don't want to avoid nothing right yeah. so there is that it is true that that um can drive that but we're still having good rp you still can push but you've got argue. a good
0: group of players like adventure league at like i'm yeah. with random people the role playing is not very good the dungeon master that i had never sat at his table before but he came up to me afterwards and he was like just so you know you like you were great like you were funny mm-hmm. you were engaging the the npcs that i was putting out there with you and things like that and i'm like oh thanks man like that's really nice to hear like that's what's fun for jordan is yeah. is i'm playing this very like goofy bard character who's got like high charisma. So I just walk up to people and I'm like, oh, you think I'm handsome? Like, oh, like, and I was hitting on ladies and stuff. And it was just fun. Like we had a good
1: time. Yeah. And it's okay if the way your fun is, is you play it more like a board game or you're all about just tactical combat. Right. And you You don't talk in character, you don't have voices. You just say my character does this or my character does that. And other than that, that's your total interaction. But that's fun for you. And your GM is okay with it, and that's the game they want to run, and it's then yeah. then that's a perfect fit. And that's yeah, way you don't you...
0: need to play like Jordan to have a good Fine. time. But yeah, Jordan <laughs> enjoys playing like X, yeah. Y, and Z. So <laughs> everybody
1: needs to find the GM that has the system because I saw your question that's coming up, and I'm setting up my answer because I know you're about to ask it. Um I don't even know what I'm gonna ask. I gotta look at my notes. It's coming. It's coming. I can't see it in my, in the notes, but it's like find the GM that fits your style and find the group that fits your style. Don't think about oh, they're playing it wrong and get upset about that and get to the point where, oh, I don't want to play because they're doing it wrong. They're doing it right. They're just doing it a different right than your right. And you just need to find the group that fits you, the GM that fits the style you like to play, Mm. and then everybody just has a good time versus when that doesn't mesh together. right? right? It's, It's not they're doing it wrong. That's the one thing I was just like, get that out of your head. Nobody's playing it wrong. They're just playing it the way they like to play it. Um,
0: And I think, well, so the other thing that happened at Adventure League is magic items. So we got a bunch of potions, uh, not a bunch. We got a potion of healing. Um, Multiple people wanted it. So he was like, the dungeon master was like, okay, roll. And whoever, like literally everyone's going to be by chance. Whoever gets the highest on a d20 gets the item. And the um, ranger got it. Immediately the rogue was like, well, can I steal it from him? And they were like, no. And he's like, but I'm a rogue. And he was making the arguments like, I want to do this. And it's like, we had to finally calm him down and just, and he was getting really agitated about it because like, but I want it. Like, I want the magic item. I want that potion. <laughs> it's like, well, it, it, like, by chance, you didn't get it, so you just don't get it. And he's like, but I can steal it. Like, I have sleight of hand. And he, he was young. He was a teenager. And he kept saying over and again, like, I've got a plus five in sleight of hand. I've got a plus five in sleight of hand. And we finally just, like, looked at him. We're like, dude, nobody cares because Adventure League rules you can't steal from other players. We're here yeah. to collectively run
1: a you story. trade. Yeah, Not even you just could, steal. Take steel off the point. You can't trade with each other. Yeah. In, in
0: well, victory. you can if you're in the sim campaign and like you use downtime activity. Like you have to use downtime right. points to trade items back and forth. Um, but yeah, that's like, it's a big no. Like you have to, you have to <laughs> kind of survive on your own. And so you can't we were saying like, he couldn't do that. And he was getting really agitated about it. And like I said, he was like, I've got a plus five side of hand. And it's like, nobody cares about your plus five side of hand.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and
0: then he was even more agitated. Cause I saw that he had like a plus 10 in stealth. And I'm like, you're level one. There's no way you have a plus 10 in stealth. Like let's fix your character sheet. And mm-hmm. so he's like, no, I've got expertise. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't function like that. Like I've got expertise too on my bard. here's how it works. And he was really sad that it went down to a seven or something but i was like you're (laughs) You're
1: just crushing teenagers yeah i was like
0: your character sheet is all kinds of messed (laughs) up like buddy i'm sorry you got to play by the rules with adventure league Um, (laughs) luckily the dungeon master put the kibosh on it really well he was he was just very straight he stopped the game he's like listen we do not steal you guys have to collectively work together if you don't then you can leave because my job is to run a game for all of you that you want to participate in And he, and he pointed out to the guy and he's like, and you're making it so people don't want to play and participate in the game that I'm running. And I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh snap, like, but good for him. You know, he put the kibosh on it really quick. So yeah. yeah, that was the only other thing that happened in adventure league. I'm still having lots of fun with it. It's weird bouncing from story to story, but I don't get to play that often, obviously. So I really love my bard. Like I love this character. I love that. I get to play him. He's just super fun. So I'm having a good time (laughs) with all of that.
1: And with that, we've gone
0: over time, I believe, or it is 11 o'clock exactly. So right on the dot. Right on the dot.
1: Time to wrap it up.
0: I've got to go to the comic book store because they're having a big sale today. Um, And then my friend is running a, I forget the name of the RPG, but he's running a new RPG and he asked me to join. So I'm going to go make characters for that, which I will talk about next week in the Saturday morning D&D show all yeah, about this. You, uh, I want
1: to know what RPG. Yeah. Up, no. right?
0: I can look it up. Well, I don't have time to look it up. But um, it's some like, it sounds like Shadowrun, only it's not Shadowrun. So it's okay. going to be like, like I can be a hacker or I can be, you know, like a military expert or something. It's going to be more modern. So, oh, and I'm like leaning it. towards hacker. Like, I really want to be a hacker. I think that'd be fun.
1: Because they're always cool in the movies.
0: Oh, they're super cool. They got their keyboards, <laughs> they're typing fast. That's yeah, the way to go. Awesome. In fact, I'm going to watch Hackers for Inspiration right after this.
1: Yes, I would.
0: <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for coming out for the Saturday Morning D&D show. We love having our, our people watch us live on Twitch. It's just really great. So thank you guys so much.
1: Um, anything else, Mr. Lucian? Uh, nope. Just keep keep an eye out on Twitter for all the games that are coming up. Anything that we're running, mm-hmm. we're, we're typically tweeting out hey, we're about to run this. So if you want to keep up to date. So I'm at Sir Gaming, all one word, L-U-C-I-E-N. If you want to check out the Twitch channel, which you're on. So it's obviously twitch.tv forward slash Yep. But if YouTubers are listening to this, yep, leaks below. And then youtube.com forward slash solution. They're getting put in the chat right now by Indoor Adventure, which is always does a great job for us. Thank you very much. And yes, that is it. We will see. I will not be here next Saturday. So Jordan will be here. Maybe with a guest, maybe with a co-host, maybe by himself. We'll see. we'll see.
0: It might be solo Jordan. I think it's going to be solo Jordan, but uh, we'll see if I find somebody else. Um, right. but we'll do like a 45 minute show where you guys actually be really fun to do a more Q and a so actually, and it won't be on solutions channel. It'll be on my Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash Jordan with a pH in the middle. So, um, be
1: sure to follow me there. We'll make sure we tweet it out too, cause yeah. I'll still be able to answer Twitter stuff and I'll be able to retweet that day. I just won't be sitting here at my computer to get everything running. And so. maybe Lucian
0: can, uh, rebroadcast, not rebroadcast, but what do you do? Uh, host host that's the word i'm looking for he could host it on his channel so you don't get lost but yeah yeah i'll do the
1: auto host so it turns on the minute you turn it on my channel pops up and it turns on too so
0: perfect cool thanks everybody uh happy saturday and have a great week in gaming bye bye see ya i gotta go find my lost kitten